Hello, everyone, and welcome to Vanish Chicago Land Stories, the podcast, episode 23. I'm your host, P. Costanas, and this program is brought to you by Charlie Perfume from Revlon. And here is a commercial from the 1970s. There's a fragrance that's here today, and they call Charlie. A different fragrance that thinks your way, yeah, they call it Charlie. Kind of young, kind of now, Charlie. Kind of free, kind of wow, Charlie. Kind of fragrance that's gonna stay, and it's here now, Charlie. Charlie by Revlon, a most original fragrance. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, thank you for joining me today. I'm glad. I hope you enjoyed that little commercial. Uh, I used to watch this ad for uh, from for Charlie perfume from Revlon uh, many many times. Uh, used to broadcast it in the late seventies, and uh, they would show the commercials on on classic TV shows like Three's Company, uh, The Love Boat, Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, uh, Soap. Uh, welcome back, Carter. Um, what's famous about this commercial is uh, it featured the actress Shelley Heck. Uh, she was a model and an actress, and she was famous for appearing one season on Charlie's Angels. And she, her uh, character's name was Tiffany Wells. And uh, the, honest, the audience didn't like her for some reason, so she only lasted one year. And... Uh, she she went on to a successful career. Uh, she started in a lot of TV shows, movies, and uh, she's still acting today, I believe. And the and the singer who's singing in the commercial is is a cabaret singer named Bobby Short, and uh, he died uh, in two thousand five. Uh, he was a wonderful singer, and uh, I think most people just remember him from that commercial, which is amazing. Uh, Charlie Perfume is still made uh, to this day. Uh, you don't see it advertised on TV like it did in the old days, but uh, it's still around, so you can still buy a bottle. Okay. Today I will talk about a few things. Uh, let's see. The first thing I will talk about is turnstile of discount stores. Uh, it used to be called Turnstile Family Center Stores. Uh, I'll give you a little history of that. It was uh, not founded in Chicago, but it was founded in Lynn, Massachusetts in 1957. And they started opening up in the East Coast. And uh, the first one that opened here, I believe, was 1962. And uh, the first store that opened, I believe it was opened at uh, at the Foster Harlem Shopping Center. 
located, of course, on Foster Avenue and Harlem Avenue. <laughs> so, uh, and then it uh, opened up more stores in the area. I have a list of, of uh, stores that open in, in Chicago. Uh, let's see. We have, uh, it was on uh, North Avenue and Costner. It was at uh, 87th Street by the Dan Ryan. Uh, at 114 at 115th Street in Halsted, and of course, the one that's well known to me and most people was at Ford City Shopping Center. And uh, I will get back to that in a second. I'll talk about the Ford City store. Uh, the in suburban locations, uh, it, it the next location was open in Skokie, and then Arlington Heights, Deerfield, Glendale Heights, Niles, and then Westmont. Oh, and Schaumburg, of course. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, it did open in Indiana, in uh, Maryville. Okay, now we'll, I'll talk a little bit about the one in Fort, uh, that was located in Fort City. Uh, that opened, I'm not sure, maybe around 1969 or 70. When I moved into the area in 74, I, that was the first time I saw it. And uh, it was right next to Jewel. Uh, at the time, uh, Fort City had a, they had two grocery stores. They had a... Uh, um, a national foods that wasn't there. Ever, uh, it opened in that opened in when Fort City opened in 1965 in August, and that closed a, a little after I when I moved in the area. And then Jewel was there. I think Jewel was opened in 65. I'm not sure. Maybe later on. And then uh, no, I think it just uh, they opened the Jewel when uh, Turnstile opened, so they were adjacent to in one another. And my mother shopped there all the time at Turnstile and Jewel, of course. And uh, I remember two things from the store. I think maybe I mentioned it on a previous podcast episode where uh, they, I remember where they have the photo booths and also the, like a booth where you can watch cartoons. And I remember uh, there was Droopy the Dog, um, some uh, Terry Toon cartoons. Now I remember. And I remember I bought one of my first comic books there, and there was one issue. It was called The Batman Family, issue number The Gate. And it showed, on the cover, it showed uh, Robin the Boy Wonder with Catwoman. Only it wasn't Catwoman, it was Catgirl. And uh, claims to be Catwoman's daughter. But at the end of the, of the story in the comic book, there's a, there's a surprise, and it really isn't her. So you'll see... So I don't want to spoil it to all the comic book fans. And uh, that store lasted about eh, late 70s, I would think 78, 79. I I like the store very much. I've been posting photos of the store, even from the Skokie Skokie location. There's a few that shows from the blizzard of of 1967. And I found one from the Foster Harlem location which is really cool i like that and uh the location at fort city uh when turnstile closed a venture took over and uh i when i was a teenager at bogan high school i did apply there at venture i didn't get the job but it remained at fort city for many years all during the 80s it was there so that's it but i will talk about venture in another episode i'll go in more detail so there's another uh, wonderful store that went to uh, retail heaven.
Okay, the next thing I will talk about is a restaurant. It's called uh, Agostino's Italian Restaurant. I didn't find much information from that. Uh, someone told me, <coughs> excuse me. The restaurant was located at 7 East Delaware Place in Chicago, right near Water Tower Place. Uh, I think there was another location on State Street, not too far from there, or maybe they had two locations. I I don't know. Uh, Anyway, I found a menu of that uh, a while back, maybe a few days ago. And uh, so maybe I'll take a quick look at it. And uh, I'll tell you who owned the restaurant. I can look up here. And it was called the Siak. I can't pronounce the name. I gotta go into more information. Excuse me. There we go. It was owned by two brothers, I believe, Andy and Gus uh, Schiacqua. My Italian is really bad, so uh, I don't uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. But uh, it's on the inside of the menu. It said uh, it was there for a long, long time. I uh, and uh, there. Their menu had uh, authentic uh, Tuscan surroundings and great uh, Italian cuisine. So I'll see. I'm going to look and see what they have in the menu. I have their uh, the menu consisted of the wine list, which was very interesting. It had the uh, these are cocktails. Uh, they had imported wine from maybe uh, Italy, maybe Germany. Uh, they also served a after dinner drinks, which was uh, aperitifs. Okay, and then I'll let's look up at the menu real quick. Okay, so they made some um, homemade uh, Italian dishes. Um, they had the usual ravioli, manicotti, baked lasagna, baked lasagna. Excuse me, and uh, their specialties. Uh, they had a lot of wonderful things like that, and. Uh, they had chicken cacciatore, veal scalpini, uh, all kinds of veal scalpines, but they made it with different uh, recipes with that. And, uh, yeah, their main uh, specialty was veal. I had a lot of veal. Uh, they had lobster, chicken. Uh, they had chicken Vesuvio, which I like. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, Italian sausages and eggplant parmesan. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I don't know when the restaurant closed, but uh, I believe they built a new building there. So, uh, a restaurant, but uh, few people remembered it. They really do. They remembered uh, the food, and uh, some people mentioned when they had their high school proms in the city. They they went there for their receptions or after the prom, and they said it was wonderful food. And, uh, oh, and they had the chef specials. I didn't look at that. They had chicken terrazzini. Uh, let's see. Lobster tail thermidor. Mm, that sounds wonderful. And chicken livers. A lot of people don't like liver. Uh, I do. <laughs> so, and, uh, so that's good. But, uh, there's, there's another one that has a similar name of that. And, uh, I'm trying to look up the name of that. It's, oh, Yes. And uh, it was somewhere up in Harlem Avenue. So it's, uh, oh, yes, it's Ristatoni uh, Augustino. So it's, uh, it's, I don't think it's the same thing. 
I don't think so, unless someone can correct me on that. Okay. Okay, another thing I will talk about is uh, I I posted a brochure, and it was from the Lake Tower Motel. The Lake Tower Motel was located at 600 North Lakeshore Drive. And uh, when you think of motels, sometimes motels are seedy and low cost. But this one was fancy at the time. And uh, it it was uh, built, I don't know when exactly it was built, probably in the 50s. And uh, I'm sure it had a beautiful view of Lake Michigan when you... uh, when you stayed there, and uh, according from the uh, photos I posted, they had a, a swimming pool on top of the roof or like that, and uh, they advertised that a lot. And then you would see the neon sign as you drive on Lakeshore Drive, and you would see Lake Tower Motel. Uh, in later years, they dropped the motel, and they turned it into a hotel. And... Uh, the funny thing about it, uh, about about this uh, motel, is the entrance. And they built a, like a mouth of a shark on the entrance because it was due to, due to the effect of the popularity of the mo- 1975 movie Jaws. So when you enter the uh, hotel, you know, you walk in with his teeth. Oh, this, you know, that movie still scares me. I, I, I saw it once. The first time at Fort City Cinema, when it came out, I when I saw the first scene, I was scared to death. I hardly saw the movie. I had my eyes closed, and uh, I still refuse to watch it. You know, I, I can't. It makes me so nervous. I don't know why. It's just I don't like going in the water. I'm not a beach person. And uh, also in the hotel, they had the Coho Lounge. I think a lot of people remember that. And uh, Later on, the hotel changed to a Best Western, and then eventually it got torn down. And now I think it's just a new uh, high-rise um, they built, like they have. And uh, some people remembered the motel very well. And uh, there were a lot of uh, motels along the uh, lakefront. Uh, I think there was a Shoreland Shoreline, uh, Shoreline Motel, or Shoreland, I don't know. So I'll... When I do some more research, I will discuss that. Okay. Next thing I will talk about is something a lot of people in the old days remembered, and I certainly do when I was little, but many people many people today, young people, will not remember, is a weatherman. His name was P.J. Hoff. And every time I post something about P.J. Hoff, it a lot, it always puts a smile on everyone's faces, and they would—they just loved the man when he did the weather. Uh, he started in the he in the 1950s on television on WBBM TV Channel Two, and he was there for in the 50s and 60s. And uh, so, uh, a lot of people. One person asked me, "What was his real name?" And uh, I looked it up. His real name was. P- Piercy J. Hofstrom. And he was not from Chicago. He was from a town called Mounds, Oklahoma. And uh, he studied electrical engineering at the University of Washington. And he worked uh, for Pacific Telephone Telegraph Company. And then he moved to St. Paul, Minnesota. 
and as a columnist and cartoonist. So I don't know if he went to school learning to draw or do caricatures. Maybe he learned on his own, but he was very talented on that. And then uh, he was on the radio at Saint, in St. Saint Paul. Then he moved to Chicago. And then uh, he spoke on WBM radio and also on Ch- Channel 2. And uh, what's funny about that, uh, what he was famous for was his ha- uh, his maps, which he hand-drawn himself. And he would place funny pictures of su- the sun, the clouds, umbrellas. You know, it was very, and it was so funny. And uh, there was the, uh, what was it called? There was a cartoon visitor. His Mister, his name was Mr. Yellen Cuss. I don't know the real history of that. So that must have been funny. And uh, he also had the vice president in charge of looking out the window, which is kind of funny. It's sort of cute in a way. And uh, also, uh, P.J. Hoff started a children's show in the 1955, and it was called P.J. and Patty. And uh, the co-host, her name was Patty Parable. I don't know much uh, about that. And uh, he... Uh, his co-star narrated a story, and he and P.J. Hoff would illustrate the story, and he would draw on the maps or like that. And I wish I'd seen a copy of that of the show. That would have been interesting. Uh, also, uh, his maps sometimes ended up on eBay, and I found a couple of them that were sold for auction. There were there was one uh, a few months ago. It was from 1955, and another one was from... And then I just found one that was sold at an auction in 1959. And uh, he also had a P.J. Hoff weather kit, and uh, that was sold... Uh, I don't know if it was sold in stores. Maybe it was, or you had... or. He would say it on the air, and you would probably show the address of the TV station, and you would send in with money to pay it. I don't know how that worked at the time. Uh, a funny thing, well, not a funny thing, but a, a most endearing thing is when my mother my mother and father got married in 1962, and they married in Greece, and they came to America. My dad lived here before. But this was my first time my mom was in America, and she knew nobody and no no English, and it was tough. And she was lonely and alone. So the most company she had was television. And uh, the first, one of the f- first people she saw on TV was P.J. Hoff. And I th- believe she told me the other person was Lee Phillip. And uh, she also learned English uh, watching the game show Password. And I still, she loves that game show, and I still do, and I do too. And I mean, she does to this day. And we, that's how she learned English words. So anyway, when she saw PJ Hoff on TV, she was fascinated by him, and she didn't understand what he said, but she understood the maps. So he was very helpful with that, and she found it fascinating to watch. And a lot of people do. And uh, so that man was was very interesting. Uh, he retired in 1968. And uh, the one who was the successor was John Coughlin. And he took over the weather. And he was there on Channel 2 many, many years. Uh, I will talk about John Coughlin on a later date. And uh, so 
he so he re, uh, retired and then he would just went on vacation uh, for a long time with his wife and uh, so he's he remained in Chicago for a while and then he retired in Georgia and it was it it was uh, at the Golden Isles in the state of Georgia so and he died in 1981 at the age of 85 at Saint Simon's Island in Georgia. But, you know, when you watch the weather today, uh, some weathermen are very uh, entertaining. Uh, some are too serious. But there were other weathermen that I watched over the years that were just like a friend to you. And uh, one was like Harry Volkman. I will talk about him in a later episode. Uh, I mean, John, uh, John Coleman. He made, uh, when he was on WLS, he made uh, weather interesting and fun to watch. And uh, there were others, Jim Tellman, Jerry Taff, uh, all of them have passed away, which is sad. Uh, and, uh, but Harry Volkman was one of my favorites, and I wrote a story about him on my blog, at blog. and I, I am friends with his son, Eddie Volkman. I do talk to him online, and he, he's a nice nice man, and it, he makes me laugh, So because you know him as, uh, on the radio. From uh, Joe Bo and Eddie on B ninety six, and the uh, Eddie's still on the radio, entertaining. Okay, so uh, that'll be all for today. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy this program and me discussing it. Uh, like I said many times, uh, I do get nervous and I ramble a little bit. I I hope to get better, and I hope to improve the show, maybe add a little sound effects or uh, maybe a, an extra commercial on it just to make it fascinating. And uh, I will do another episode probably this weekend. And uh, so we're getting close to it. Uh, I will do uh, 25 shows per season. So we're on 20, number 23. So I got a couple more and that'll be season one. And then I'll start season two after that. Okay. So, uh, this is fan Chicago land stories, episode 23. And, uh, I'm, this is uh Pico Stanis, your host for this, uh, wonderful episode. And I will hope to see, see you soon on the next episode and bye bye. For now, and take it away, Ray Rayner. We have to go. Bye, bye, bye.